Chris, I have a Halloween themed question for you. Oh, excellent. I'm in the mood. What what is your favorite costume you've ever worn for Halloween? Mm. That's a good one. Um I wish I could like look a list, uh, a spreadsheet of everything I've ever worn cuz some years I feel like I'm brilliant and some years I'm just like going along with whatever. I'll give you two answers. One year Actually, it was when we were in grad school together. I dressed as um, the ghosts from Ghosts and Stuff. The ghost like, from Ghosts, like Patrick Swayze? <laughs> no, um, the song Ghosts and Stuff by Dead Mouse. Um, <laughs> like the whole video is a ghost. He's a, like, it's essentially just a sheet, like a, a white sheet and like dark eyes. And then like a um, puzzle piece tattoo that, go- uh, that Dead Mouse has. So I thought that was kind of cool and very hip at the time. That's pretty cool. Um, and then one of my other favorite ones is one year Sarah decided to go as a deer for some reason. I was like, okay, that's fine. And I didn't know what I was going to be. But then uh, one of my friends suggested this and I did it. Uh, I decided to dress up as Harry Potter, uh, mm-hmm. which I've done multiple years at this point. And then wherever she would go, I would go, expecto Patronum. And she was my Patronus. I, so mean... I made her my prop. <laughs> yeah. Having like um, partner costumes is a pretty good one. I've never done like a really good partner costume. Well, what if um, the partner doesn't want to be part of a partner costume, but you just made them part of your partner part- costume? As that's kind of actually just a prop. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty clever, you know. And um, mean. Anyway, what's yours? I, you know, I've had a string of bad costumes. I recently kind of had this revelation, really, just <laughs> in the past couple months, that when I was really young. My parents dressed me up through a series in a series of what probably today would be considered offensive costumes three mm. years in a row. Uh, I was a headhunter, oh but like full grass skirt and like oh bone, like bone nose ring. Oh dear. Yeah. Then the following not year, like um, someone trying to hire people for jobs. Not that type of a headhunter. <laughs> not not that type of <laughs> uh the following year I was a Native American, which again I think uh, is not not as cool um as well it was never cool but i culture think culture is not costume right and then the third one was uh quote-unquote hobo and it was like the full cut off gloves top hat it was kind of like a oliver twist type situation but pretty sure my mom called it hobo which i also think uh doesn't fly anymore so those were like i've just more had strings of bad costumes um when i was an adult i had one year where we were like kind of going with these like more simple costumes so i kind of went as like a um I, I we had gotten these like very cool like Commedia dell'arte masks in uh New Orleans which were like have like the big long noses and I like just wore like a white dress shirt and I was like this is awesome I'm gonna just do this every year it's like elegant uh it's a good um you know costume for parties but the thing I hadn't anticipated is I could not drink out of a glass or can with the nose on so I could only oh. drink out of a straw so I made the mistake of drinking I think it was like scotch or whiskey out of a straw <laughs> night and oh God. you don't you don't realize you drink a lot more out of you drink a lot faster out of a straw than you do when you're just sipping sipping then i ended <laughs> very poorly for me uh, uh, over hanging over a toilet unfortunately so you know i Live i have more I, I have more halloween costume horror stories than i do uh positive experiences unfortunately i'm i'm not a good costumer you know i'm just not it's, yeah. it's too bad I, I think the older you get, the more you're like, I'm just going to go as like something simple, practical, that's kind of clever, but not, I'm not overthinking it. You know, it's one night, whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Instead of extending this out too long, should yeah. we uh, 
ask, tell, or I guess wish everybody happy Halloween. Yeah. And, uh, go ahead and dive in. Pearl would be a good costume. I'm sure someone's done that last year or this year, but I'm sure someone has. That would be great. Oh, yeah. well, it would be a great partner costume if someone was Pearl and someone was Maxine. Oh, I like it. Okay. There we go. Someone's got their idea. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about, well, usually about the FX hit show American Horror Story and its sister series, American Horror Stories. We are still uh, on boycott from the American Horror Story franchise and American Horror Stories until the SAG After Strike ends. And so for those of you who have been kind of following along with us, Chris and I have been uh, well, we've only done one so far, but today's episode number two, we've been looking at uh, covering more independent horror movies for the time being. And what better time as we kind of are a couple weeks away, not even uh, one week away from Halloween to to drop another episode. Chris, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, I'm good. Exactly what Tyler just said. Um, it is peak October right now where I'm located. So I, I, I'm feeling the vibes. The energy is just October to me. So I... And Pearl watched it. Love it. I'm so excited to dig in and talk about it. Excited to dig in as well. So the movie we watched for this particular uh, episode is Pearl, which is the prequel to X, which is a movie we watched probably three, four weeks ago, I think is when we did that episode. And so uh, it felt like a good opportunity to uh, discuss the follow on. Um I forgot to drop our names, Chris, because I gave a little tangent about the boycott at the beginning. <laughs> I am uh, your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Houston. Hey, everyone. Hey, everybody. Uh, going back to kind of the overarching piece of this, you know, we will be covering American Horror Story and I would imagine stories after the strike ends. But for now, this is kind of our interim. We still want to do something uh, and have an opportunity for Chris and I to chat, get out in the world type conversation. Um Chris, before we dive into Pearl, uh, anything in particular um, you wanted to talk through? You want to share what you're drinking? I know it's kind of a Sunday afternoon, so not our typical, you know, late night beverage time. I mean, this is perfect beverage time for me on a weekend. I love it. Uh, I'm not watching football or anything, but I'm I'm drinking a hard cider again today, just like I did with X. And I also brought a hard seltzer as a backup once I finished my cider. Um the uh it's called uh quirk and it's strawberry lemon and basil hard seltzer oh that sounds tasty it's good it's I like it, I... low in alcohol so it's like perfect daytime there you go drink what are you drinking i, al- I also leaned into it being a sunday afternoon and am drinking our typical bourbon and cider but just in a in like a little glass today yeah um you know still have uh a few hours left before it gets dark but uh, I don't know about you. This is my favorite time of year. I think we say this every year. It is. Trees, oh. trees come, you know, trees changing. Uh, pretty soon there's going to be, you know, kids running around trick-or-treating, costume parties, all that good stuff. Uh, I've got my Halloween decorations out. And I heard, as you said, well, you said you got your fall decorations out. Do you have Halloween decorations as well? We don't. We are kind of more generic uh, fall, so pumpkins. But my daughter put um, googly eyes on a lot of the pumpkins, so it's kind of cute. We do have like um, all the mums out there in the front, and also um, we do have one skeleton hanging up, which is my contribution that I've had since I think grad school. Also, I love it. He's wearing like a little uh, 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 tuxedo shirt. I like that. We live in a you know a pretty 
small condo in the city. And so we don't have a lot of like yard space or anything to put really fun stuff. But inside I do have, you know, a pretty cool spooky sign, some cobwebs, um, a couple like gravestones and little things like that. Love it. That said, there is a there's like this monstrous house down the street, like kind of a couple blocks from us that has, you know, one of those skeletons that's like two and a half stories tall. And it has like, they've got like a, some like blow up worms from like Beetlejuice coming out of the yard and some really cool oh, stuff. Yeah. I feel like that, that when you have that kind of stuff, you almost need like a separate storage unit just for your yeah. Halloween decorations, you know? Those 12 foot skeletons are, I wouldn't say they're everywhere this year, but I know I like, we know where they are when I like drive to like drop kids off at school and stuff like that, or go to the grocery store. Like we know where the 12 foot skeletons are that I think are sold at Home Depot, I believe um they're awesome i want one but i just Those things are sweet i want like a couple of them to like pose this in like a scene you know yes. like, maybe in like an unexpected scene like yeah dress them in like victorian clothing or something i love it there's like one house that has like these dolls that are like arranged in like this witchy type situation uh in their front yard it's uh, it's so cool i'm very jealous nothing creepier than dolls and uh you know <laughs> pearl even leans into that a little bit here and there as does x but that uh is a smooth transition into our film this week and that is ty west's uh pearl which as i think we said we already covered x and um in our coverage of x you can hear a little bit more about kind of the background of ty west and our thoughts there um i will say that this particular prequel i had uh, heard was written while they were basically filming X in New Zealand and uh, COVID, like there was like a COVID lockdown basically. And so Ty West was just hanging out, couldn't actually film X. And he was like, well, I'm going to write this origin story for Pearl. And that's how Pearl came to be. And Mia Goth is uh, credited as a writer on this uh, movie as well. Well, I guess they, maybe, I wonder if they were just kind of hanging out talking about like, you know, characters motivations and stuff like that mm -hmm. and like, Ooh, this is getting good we should we should write this thank god they did <laughs> these two I, together are brilliant well and then it's two out of three right there's going to be a third in the trilogy right right which i don't know given it's an a24 movie i don't know if that one do you know if that's been like green lighted to continue being filmed or anything about the timeline i i did a little research on that and i could not find anything it's still kind of vaguely um not I mean, I, I've seen a cast list and that is all of the news I've seen. I've not seen a release date. I've not seen if they've been um, filming or doing anything. So mm -hmm. unfortunately, I wish I had an answer to that. Yeah. Uh, as far as the cast goes for this film, uh, obviously the main actress who trans kind of is um, our cross between X and Pearl is Mia Goth, who played Maxine in X and also Old Pearl. Uh, now, of course, she's playing Young Pearl. Um, we also have a few other actors. Um, I think there's David Corn Corn Sweat. I Corn don't even know. Is that how you say it? Do you know? I don't know how you. I assume it's Corn Sweat. Um, and I know him from he was in The Politician, which Ryan Murphy had done um, before. So that's kind of interesting that he also ended Hollywood. up in this and Hollywood. Yeah. That's right. I didn't watch Hollywood. Um, he was fantastic in The Politician, and I've heard he's good in in um, Hollywood and. He has now been cast as the new Superman. Oh, really? He, he's, he has. He's, I didn't realize he, he's succeeding Henry Cavill. Yeah. Interesting. I Incredibly handsome that. dude. <laughs> I mean, you could kind of see that. Yeah, I, in this good. particular movie, he doesn't even have a... I don't think he gets a name. And to, as far as the credits go, he's just called the projectionist. Right. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, we have Howard, who we only see for a hot second there. Um, Howard is played by Alistair... Sewell, uh, who apparently was in Power of the Dog. I don't know who he was in that movie. Oh, huh. 
Yeah. Um, obviously, we only get really like kind of a, I don't even know if we get a Cameo. full minute of him at the yeah. very end. Uh, and then we've got, of course, Pearl's father, Matthew Sunderland, and Pearl's mother, Tanned Wright, who are both uh, native New Zealand actors. It sounds like they're both kind of big in the New Zealand scene or have been on a lot of TV shows and different things like that. Um, and so I guess that kind of makes sense if they were filming in New Zealand. Right. They filmed these back to back, apparently. So the cast was, you know, mostly local. Um, yeah. And then the other the final person also is Kiwi. Um, uh, oh, this uh, this Mitzi, the sister-in-law. And I, yeah. I, I don't write her name down. Emma Jenkins Puro. She was great. Um, if, uh, well, we'll save this for the end. Um, I, I, I think we can talk about the acting when we. When God, we this movie. Whew. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk for just a second about like over like overall vibes? Like, obviously, this movie feels very different than Axe, right? Like, I don't know. Descri- describe how you felt while watching it. It's interesting. Um, it's it's a it's a definitely different tone and vibe. Um, there are parallels and motivations for Pearl. Obviously, we know who she is based off of X uh, and Maxine. But um, the energy of it is very Hollywood. It's very early Hollywood. Um, it's very uh, um, Wizard of Oz, like Technicolor. Like I like got very big Wizard of Oz vibes from it. Um, the the film that is, um, and the the tone is. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of that. It's not as gritty as X was. X was a little bit grittier, centered around sex, and there is some sex, obviously, in in Pearl. But it's it's much more about that um, American dream of succeeding, and you're really kind of rooting for the farm kids to leave and make something of themselves until they really unravel, and you see how they've been trapped and how that's, um, kind of how it's how it's manifested into these this this particular person's um dark personality and and inclinations to do very murderous things um but still like lit beautifully and i've kind of almost got like midsummer vibes a little bit where it's like all in the daylight mostly and it's just beautiful and yet horrific things are happening yeah i mean i i think that uh, i love how you said like it felt like the wizard of Oz a little bit. Cause that's totally how I feel with it too. It's like, it's very technicolor, right? It's uh, it's like, we're seeing the sort of colors that jump off of a Rosie, the Riveter poster or something like that. Um, and, you know, I feel like that's really felt when you get this opening scene through the barn door, which I think is almost, I don't know if it's shot for shot, but it's very close to that same first shot in the movie in X, but obviously in X you're zooming in on a murder scene and here it's the same exact barn, but it's just, it's yeah. serene, right? X, um, X starts as the square, like the box of what you could, like the three by four or whatever it was. And then it opens, the barn doors open, you realize, oh, we were actually in 16 by nine, which is the film. And it's a decrepit, dilapidated home. And then, yes, in Pearl, we get the same house, same shot. And it's already in a in a cinema scope uh, a frame. And it's just absolutely oversaturated with color and beautiful. Mm-hmm. The year here is uh, 1918, which is uh, in comparison to where like the year X takes place. I think it's I think X was 1979. So we're looking at like a 61 year difference. So you can imagine uh, I would uh, do we know exactly Pearl's age? She's got to be like 18, 19, probably. I would assume like 18 or 19. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see she's like she's married and her husband's at war. So 
but I people assume. got married very young could, back then. It could be right? 16 or 17. Yeah, we don't yeah. sure. Yeah. Hard to say. I don't, think <laughs> I don't remember if we know for sure. Yeah. But um we we begin in Pearl's room that we're pretty familiar with from her scenes in uh X. But again, it's like I don't know. There's it's an interesting, it's interesting to revisit like such a dark setting from the movie X, where at least at this point, like the dolls are still creepy, don't get me wrong, but everything is a little less sinister at this point in time because really nothing has happened yet and so it feels a little bit brighter um, it's a very dreamy opening like yeah and also like very old school the way they do the opening like the font that they use is very like early hollywood and how you go through a whole sequence of um of credits before the film even starts where these like that doesn't really happen these days anymore you don't you get the credits at the end um, mm-hmm. so it's very it's even the the formatting and the styling of how they introduce the film and end the film I think are brilliant choices that uh, pay great homage to the the films of the early early Hollywood days yeah pretty I mean pretty much off the bat in this movie we very quickly get introduced to Pearl's mother and understand begin to understand that dynamic right because we learn that you know Pearl's kind of like preening in front of the mirror i don't remember if she's like actually doing some dancing at this point in time but her mother comes in and chastises her immediately and that's kind of setting the scene for their relationship tension that obviously goes where it ends up going um but we get that right away from the hit here and soon after i think her mother ends up sending her to the barn to feed the animals and we get kind of like a similar dynamic that maxine i mean maxine really represented an x but the difference is maxine was able to you know say these things about being special and um one day the whole world gonna is gonna know her name to you know her friends in the crew whereas all i mean maxine or so much of pearl's story is a story of loneliness right because here the only people she confides this in is like the isolation yeah you're spot on like the 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 parallels of how we're introduced to maxine and how we're introduced to pearl are very similar in the mirror Maxine's at a at a, a strip club uh, where where she we first meet her and she's saying I'm going to be a star and then Pearl's in her room um, you know looking at her vanity and uh, saying those like I'm special one day the whole world's going to all the stuff that you just said so it's very like these girls are parallel totally um, and you know we we kind of have like a I don't know again a lighthearted kind of scene in the barn where she's kind of dancing, dancing around and we get that little first hint of something darker i think when she skewers a goose that kind of walks yeah. into the barn with a pitchfork that pitchfork Oof. she's quite a that's her weapon of choice as we know well um and we also get reintroduced to maybe the only other recurring character um other besides her and howard in this one which is our friend the giant gator in the um Theta. Theta. How do you, is that T-H-E-T-A, do you think? Like the uh, So I watched um, I watched it on closed Roman, captions. It's T-H-E-D-A. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the giant gator. She's she's of course uh although is it the same alligator? Because alligator, I'm j i am Googled this. Alligators only live 30 to 50 years, apparently. So, uh, so it's gotta be and we saw the eggs. Children. The eggs. Um, so, so we know that she yeah. yeah, it's got the children. Totally. But descendant mm-hmm. of Theta in, in X, most likely. <laughs> right. The other thing too that like we you know we should outline as far as like the, the time there's a, I feel like there was a particular reason 1918 was chosen for a couple of different reasons right first off you know the world has been at war it's World War One um, Howard's been away at war uh, ran off and Pearl yeah as we know was a little bit frustrated by the fact that he um, 
I don't know, seeming to seem to so willingly go. It's not clear whether or not he was drafted or whether he, I, do we know if he was drafted or it he seemed like he volunteered, I think. And then yeah. was that against him. Right. Totally. Even though he might've been drafted anyway, like he was eager to go and they kind of like she gets left behind. Yeah. They even said like they had a doctor that could say, although he may have been drafted because they did say that there's a doctor that would have said, could have written him an excuse. Yeah, that's right. But he that's said, right. no, thanks. I think this, I think uh, Mitzi says that at some point. Yeah, right. Right. Um, but also there's some other interesting dynamics because obviously, you know, World War One, the U.S. was at war with Germany. So that's why we get kind of a, the German. a, a strange vibe from mama um, <laughs> at this point in time. Um, and also it's because we we learned from the newspaper, I think, that the Allies are close to winning the war. So it's at the end. Like, that's how we know, you know, Howard could be coming home at any given time. Also, the other interesting thing about this particular time period is it's on the kind of back end, but still time period of the Spanish flu. Which, yes. if you think about the fact that Ty West and Mia Goth wrote this when they were in COVID lockdown, you have to Brilliant. think that there was support. And I even thought about that, you know, in the scene where Pearl goes to the movie and is wearing yep. a mask. You yep. know, it's a flashback it's wild it's i i loved it it was just you know just the parallels of today well done and and it's really cool to see you know, just how history cycles around and you know where this is in our last pandemic and how people handled it back then i think i i looked it up at the time and it was like 50 million people died uh of this, from the spanish flu and um and then also like when we were going through covid at, at its peak you know, like call it Spanish flu. We don't call it that. And it's not referred, shouldn't be referred to that because then it stigmatizes Spain, all, all, all sorts of things. Um, and the parallels and the masking and going, it was just, it's, it's, it's really cool to see how we're connected to our history a hundred years ago. And obviously very intentional, I think maybe yes. know, to make it feel more modern, you know, relevant and modern and all those kind of things. Um, and also, you know, Pearl's father, as we see, not everybody just died. Like there was impacts in his case where he's just kind of left basically kind of a you know, husk of a person, basically. And it, it's she seems to struggle and be unclear whether or not there's much going on, like cognitively with him. Um, you know, he he will make noises. And I think at one point when he seems scared, his breathing starts to kind of speed Oof. up and get a little caught. So I think yeah. we were kind of like hinted at that there's something going on in there, but he's he can't even you know, can't even feed himself. And so much of Pearl and her mother's existence is effectively nursing this man. Um, and that's what ends up, you know, getting Pearl out of the house. It seems like pretty often uh, to go to town to pick up medicine. And again, because it's the Spanish flu time period, uh, you, people are kind of being encouraged to stay away from each other. And especially, you know, Pearl's mother, given what happened to her husband, um, is very much kind of enforcing this isolation on her and and pearl um to the point that you know this is only reinforcing pearl's sense of loneliness she is by herself and and um later on at some point they do mention she does mention in which we'll talk about the most brilliant um monologue that she gives toward the end of the movie at the table just really what's broken her and why she's like why her true nature of the evil side has kind of broken free finally right uh it's at that oh yeah her dad takes sneaky. liquid morphine also i i, I made sure to Oof, look at the bottom wow. liquid morphine yeah and then she That's obviously intense, takes a swig of the stuff yeah 
Uh, you know, and I think that that kind of uh, clandestine journey to the theater is when her storyline starts to kind of deviate from her day to day, right? Um, that's the series of events that, well, first off, it's a dancing movie, and we know she wants to be a dancer. Um, I will say, I don't know if you caught this, the song that is played in the dancing movie is Wee oui, Wee oui, Marie, which is a song that was also played in X. I think it's the one that that's, she danced to in the headlights. That's maybe. right. Um, so after she kills the first guy, right? And like, yeah, decapitates him essentially. That's right. Yeah. Oh my God. Great. Good job. I love that. Good pickup. Yeah. And um, that's also the point at which she meets our friend, the projectionist, uh, future Superman. Uh, and that's kind of the point where, and this is some, something that was a little interesting. You know, he, I think what he does is he like offers her a, a cigarette and a free showing, um, which at the, the time she declines, but he, he's, he represents, or I think he's supposed to represent like a human connection when she just really hasn't had one. He snips that little kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, frame, I guess, of oh, the yeah. film and gives it to her to take home, um, which, I don't know, it's kind of a... It's something. Weird. He was like, no one's going to notice if one frame is missing from the film. Well, apparently he just like, you know, doesn't well, so sews it back together like yeah I, yeah exactly tapes it back together i think uh, i mean there's only like five people in the theater anyway i was gonna say movies back then probably were so choppy that if a frame one frame was missing you know you wouldn't even really notice but Good point. um yeah he kind of represents that um i don't know uh, deviation from loneliness but he you know and this is something i was starting to think about through the movie in x we're really kind of coming to think of pearl as being or as being like this kind of like sex maniac yeah and you, I don't know, I like, I felt, I definitely felt like, at least in this movie, her relationship with the projectionist, for instance, is very much more based on loneliness than anything else, not being like, um, you know, just having kind of, yeah, she, a, uncontrollable sexual urges. She, like, when she, when she, Pearl and X has fully embraced who she is, her dark nature and everything that she desires and wants, but she's, but she's already lost it all. In Pearl, young pearl um hasn't experienced that defeat yet or that that loss so she is still pining for her dream and knows and is dedicated and like this is her only mission in life is to get out to do this one thing or to, to be a star yeah. um so she hasn't been broken yet and that's why it's not as sex driven because it's part of her but it's not you know it's not her that said, I mean, we see the next scene. The next scene is the one in the cornfield where she takes the top hat from the scarecrow, does a little dance, and starts to have a, a sexual Rub, experience. Rubs on but, him, yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. and then has to yell at him that she's married, you know. And it's kind of, it, you know, in many ways, she's yelling at herself, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, it, sorry. Go ahead. Two more things before the cornfield was interesting. Um, just two notes about the theater. Um, the at the movie theater when they're in the alleyway if you notice like even like the pipes in the background in the alleyway it's like pink and vibrant blues and it's i, I don't think things are painted that way back then but but it just adds to like the glamour of the the saturation of color and vibrancy of of what the what what the dreams are and kind of idyllic maybe life in pastoral texas uh, yeah. but also um the 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 cinema the theater the movie this the how beautiful and exciting and perfect and pristine it is uh go ahead i was gonna say to that point i mean it kind of does remind me of uh wizard of oz again when i think about like 
you know, when those black and white movies were basically like remastered with color. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times in those movies, I mean, they were just having to guess what the color was on those different things and put it in. And so that's that's why it felt so vibrant, right? Great point. Um, The second thing I was going to say, and this is one sentence, the score throughout this with like the Hollywood type music that they use from like old movies, like the full on orchestras is just awesome. It just hits the tone of, of, of what this movie is brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, the music is, is terrific. I, I agree with you. It's like, man, I, when we get to the dance scene yeah. too, which I, <laughs> we'll, we'll wait. Um, but, uh, you know, Pearl's fantasies get brought like, you know, crashing home, crash, crash hard again, when she returns home, uh, she starts to like, it seems like for the first time hurt her father to see if he feels pain. There's like some pinching happening. And then I think at one point she even squeezes his throat a bit before they yeah. dinner. Uh, this is also the scene in which her mother calls her out for having spent that extra eight cents on the movie. And uh, even though I think she says it's candy, she tried, she lies about it, but still yeah. when spending the extra money and basically gives Pearl this lecture about, you know, hard times being hard times and uh, sends her to bed with no food. I'm pretty sure. Cause I think it's, I think they're pretty short on food. I think they're, they're eating like corn, but you know, there's, there's not much there. And that's also what makes it such a statement the next day when, you know, Mitzi, who we learn is Howard's sister. So Pearl's sister-in-law and seemingly Mitzi's mother, um, who'd be Howard's, Howard's mother, um, Pearl's mother-in-law stopped by to deliver this. Like, I mean, we see that they're pretty wealthy, right? They stopped by this car to deliver this like giant plump, uh, pig, which disgustingly, as we know, um, you know, I, I, the sense I get, and we kind of see this in the background is that because it came from a place where potential sickness was, that's why Pearl's mom won't touch it. But also she seems like she's very proud. Right. So maybe that's a piece of it too. I don't know if that was your sense. Yeah. When she talks, when, when Pearl's mom is scolding her at the dinner, um, she says that like they survive because they are mindful of the way that they live and they didn't raise her to be weak. Um, also of note, the house looks a lot darker and grayer and black during dinners with the mom. It's much more like toned down and not the brilliant, brilliant opulence of of color that we see in else elsewhere. Um, and then the uh, the scene with Mitzi, um, you know, we, we get a good vibe that they're friends. But in the background, you see the mom essentially just keeping her distance from Mitzi's mom, even though their mother love mother-in-law's type situation and yeah she's just a proud person who does not want to that sickness because she's seen what it did to her husband um one other thought i was going to say is when mitzi comes into the barn to mm-hmm. um to say hi to pearl pearl is i think in the identical position that maxine was in her scene when the, for when they're shooting the adult film the farmer's da- the daughters and she's like milking the cow remember that scene in yeah, x yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Pearl is in that same exact with the cow, like framed, I think almost identically. So I love that parallel too. It was really cool. That is, that, that, that is great. But you know what? I, I think that um, Pearl and her Pearl's mom needed to open up their Spanish flu circle or bubble, you know, to yeah, their to bubble. <laughs> nice. Yeah. This is also the scene in which Mitzi tells Pearl that there's this opportunity to finally get out of town with this dance audition for a sort of Christmassy chorus line that's going to travel all around the state. So Pearl's kind of seeing this as her big ticket opportunity to get away from her infirm father and overbearing mother. And she and is, is, she's elated. She's like, this is it. I, I got to get it. It's got to be me. It's got to be me. And I think she even like wishes upon a star or something that it's going to, you know, yeah. she's going to be a star, right? 
Um, she sneaks out of the house that night or pretty soon after that to go see the projectionist back at the movie theater. Uh, and it's there that he, well, he, he tries to paint himself as a sophisticate, right? He uh, wants to show our film he picked up in France. He talks about being a bohemian and having moved around a lot. And we pretty soon learn that he's showing her an old timey French porno, um, yeah. which of course, again, connects back to X when they were filming for, you know, they're 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 pouring forward the new vhs world yeah good more good parallels i i looked it up because he calls it a stag film and it's and that's what porn pornos were called back then does that have anything to do with stag parties like bachelor parties i don't think so um i don't think so i might be wrong i would let if any of our listeners know let us like please let us know yeah in their their kind of talks the projectionist you know is encouraging her to go to Europe because that's where he's going to go. And um, he, well, he tells her he, she should be in pornos after the war. Uh, but I know at he's the kind same of a predator. Time, <laughs> he is, but also at this time, um, you know, Pearl lets slip, I think at one point that she wants her parents to die. And the projectionist is kind of like, it's kind of her first, the first time that she says something that like discomforts him a little bit. And he's yeah. like, what was that? And she's like, yeah. oh, no, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, yep. Mm-hmm. He, but yeah, he's like, don't let anything stand your way. And and she's like, I'm not like anybody else. Um, but then, yeah, it, she says something along the lines of like, I wish they would just die or something like that. And he's yeah. like, hmm. Uh, in the, I, mean, I think when Pearl gets home, it's when she hears her mother just like sobbing yeah. vigorously into the pillow. And I, you know, this reinforces that same message too. That like Pearl, more than anything, just doesn't want to live her mother's life, right? Uh, and understands like how how awful it is. Um, I think the next day is the scene where she wheels her father down to the water's edge uh, and is definitely complicating wheeling that uh, wheelchair straight into uh, the gator's mouth until her mom shows up just at the last second. Do you think she would have done it if, uh, I mean. I think she would have. Um, I also want to give a shout out to the actor Matthew Sunderland, who does incredible acting with his eyes and his breathing. Um for being an invalid i think that's the right i think that's the term that um uh pearl uses yeah Mm -hmm. um i think she would have i think she was ready i i don't know i don't know it's kind of hard because because she hadn't killed a person yet she hadn't been provoked yet and then later she like she kind of regrets killing her father She does so i don't think maybe she wouldn't Um, have she was just like i think i think she also realized I know you have to imagine too it's precipitated by hearing her mother cry because you know her mother her mother says straight out and it's hard to say for sure but her mother says that part of what's weighed her down is having to be this nurse for her husband right yeah. and so to a yes. certain extent Pearl thinks that killing her father might set her mother free I think or at least set them and by turn in, in turn setting her free potentially I don't know right no that she does say something along along the lines of Pearl does um, it's easier for Pearl if she didn't feel like she was abandoning her dad. So if he was dead, then she wouldn't be abandoning him because he, she does have, she does love her father. It seems just, right. it's no way for him to live. And right. that's when the mom catches him and wheels him back. Yeah. There's also a good line here too, that um, the, I think the mother says, sorry if you hear my son's crying in the background. <laughs> yeah, he just woke you woke up. Right up. Oh yeah. Um, she says at this point, one day you'll learn that getting what you want isn't important. Doing the most with what you have is life doesn't turn out how you expect. And again, that's some real foreshadowing for how things turn out next. You know? Well, yeah, I wrote down, and I think she says, again, something like, life never turns out the way you want. You need to be prepared for that. 
Yeah. Foreshadowing so, her future for sure. <laughs> it'd, it'd be interesting to watch these movies and watch Pearl first for having not seen X and then yeah. you know, watch them in that order. I would be curious to be a different kind of experience. Um, it's at, right after this moment too. She has that kind of strange moment that seems symbolic of something where she steals the gator egg and then pops it with her hand. I don't know if you interpreted that at all for yourself. Well, and they, they spice it right next to this image of this soldier coming home, like wrapped in gauze and stuff. So we don't know who it is. And I, I, I had assumed that it was, it was actually um, Howard uh, walking home from the war or whatever it might be. But when she squeezes and pops, that soldier that she'd been seeing on the road walking through by the cornfields down the road uh, also explodes. Right. Um, so, um, I, yeah, it's kind of, I'd love to like, you know, if we had, a, if we had like another half hour, it would be fun to like kind of unpack like what that all means and with the gator egg and, you know, what is, is there, is there a um, connection from Theta to her child the egg and what pearl why she picked one does she want to raise an alligator or was she seeing it as like selecting something that uh to create a life like like be responsible well, for we, life and later in that monologue we learned that pearl had been pregnant right and then um was happy when you know the baby it, did not, because she didn't want the yeah. burden of the child so yeah. there's definitely some interesting kind of i don't know parent parent dynamics i mean the whole story about parent dynamics in different mm-hmm. ways right love it um but uh, it's it's soon after this that she has the the um well what starts the argument with her mother is that she finally comes out and decides she's going to tell her mom that she wants to audition for the dancing, and uh, her mother seems to insinuate that like she's seen Pearl uh, have, have like very um uh deviant behavior that she's witnessed secretly, and yeah. I I thought we were my I don't know if she meant killing things or if she meant masturbation or both I don't know if that was you got a sense yeah i didn't get a sense I, it was just like things that parents do notice about their kids when their kids aren't they don't think anyone's watching or paying attention her mom is tough and her mom is fairly cruel and obviously incredibly devout religious person but um but she's a mom she notices things and that argument i think she also like she found she finds the um like the flyer for something or you know that also sets it off um but yeah uh it's the, it's the palace folly flyer that was in yeah there. yeah mm-hmm. i think i think i think she's i i interpreted it as the um that she's seen like dark things like maybe she saw how pearl like stabbed the goose with the pitchfork you know something like right. that where yeah you're gonna feed it anyway or we're gonna kill it but you did it in a really macabre way kind of like when you you know in um yeah i feel like movies you'll always hear about how like the kid who became the serial killer was like burning yeah. ants with a magnifying glass when they were young or something like that yeah or maybe even like squishing the gator eggs right like that could kind of be another yes thing. exactly the, the, those are the, i i saw as more of like violent tendencies or murderous tendencies right well through in this in exchange the mother says some pretty terrible things to pearl about like well you know you don't want to live my life i didn't expect to be this kind of caretaker and you know having to baby my you know infirm husband it leads to an actual physical altercation and pearl eventually accidentally pushing her mother into the fireplace and Mm -hmm. you know those old like i don't know if it was wool or whatever those outfits were made of they're like highly inflammatory (laughs) highly inflammatory outfits yeah Uh, just like lights up immediately um pearl does enough to put her mother up but perhaps that was 
instinct, perhaps that was just to keep the whole house from burning down and moves her still alive, but very crispy burnt up mother into the same basement that we know uh, Jenna, uh, Jenna Ortega gets moved in mm-hmm. uh, later on in X. It was a great sequence and uh, shout out to um, the actress who plays the mother Tandy Wright. Uh, fantastic job playing that tough German uh, uh, mom. Uh, just well done. I, I I was certain that this must be like an Academy Award winning someone that I just didn't recognize because she kind of has that generic not oh, I, I don't mean that in a rude way just like a, a a familiar look where like she could have like you could have told me three actresses names that I would have said oh yeah 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 for sure that that's her she was very good yeah she was great she the, yeah and that was one of the things I wanted to highlight too is just how good um the mother was too about mm. the German accent and everything and just oh yeah she she was she was a deep well even if uh I, I think that was the most probably the biggest monologue she has in the yeah. movie. Um, but yeah, she gets she gets put in the basement. And of course, it, this is kind of Pearl ripping the seal off of, um, I don't know, I guess the more uh, flagrant kind of behavior that had been, you know, she'd done the smaller stuff before, but like this is only a- kind of imagined things up until now. But now like she's gone and done it, you know, she's this, her mother yeah. was set on fire in a fight and she put her in the basement. So she runs off. To the projectionist, uh, presumably, I, I mean, we see them in the bed afterwards, so presumably to go have sex, and she says it later to Mitzi as well. Um, and you know, she, I think, when she's with the projectionist, I think she kind of also is associating the projectionist with again getting away from the farm, Europe. She, I think, she this is where she like envisions herself on stage and getting like an ovation, a standing ovation in an old timey theater, yeah. Um, and so you know, that's again i don't i don't really see that as her being a sex addict i see it as her kind of associating that relationship with getting away from the loneliness and becoming the star that she kind of perceives herself to be you know yeah i don't yeah i don't think it's sex related uh the projectionist offers to drive her back home and that's where we see a soldier who like at that point i thought well maybe is it supposed to be howard and we learn it's not walking down the path yeah yeah there's um, do you take yeah. that to be just her being like kind of feeling guilty about having, you know, had the, yeah. I think it's, projectionist? I think it's the looming concept that Howard will be returning and this is something that she'll have to deal with, um, which is what everyone would, were, was dealing with back then, like soldiers returning to war and different and injured or with the Spanish flu, whatever may have happened, kind of like her father ended up, um, so this is just this looming concept that this is going to be happen happening at some point, and she's having, you know, existentially thinking, considering that with all the shit that she's going on in her head about her dreams and her life. Um, I think it's in this spot right there because it's meant to remind us that she just cheated on Howard, uh, and that might might not be Howard. And they also have a, and the second reason they probably have that in there is because they have a fairly um, hit you over the head uh, line that the uh, that the projectionist makes which is uh it's hard to know who anyone uh is these days with all the masks people are wearing which is such <laughs> a funny thing that people said when the anti-maskers during covid um and also you know obviously here masks means a lot of things and i immediately was like um like pearl who's yeah. wearing this big mask of who her real identity and who well, she is this malevolence that her mom says she has in her so forth well, and I will say that that happens like 
quite quickly when he takes gets arrives home that mask starts to uh, yeah. he see he starts to see behind the mask quite quick from that instant he sees all the maggots inside the peg which is so nasty Ugh. to the point where he, obviously he goes inside pearl's father's in rough shape the food skewed on the table there's a noise in the basement that she says is a dog um and a lot of red her, flags here uh, for red flags pearl. in every direction mm-hmm. and her ticket out of town starts to seem uh like realize that uh maybe this is not a relationship I want to pursue after all. Oh. Um, he, he clearly starts to get freaked out. I think she, like Pearl weirdly intros him to her father before taking him upstairs for some afternoon delight kind of thing. So weird that she introduced him to her father and was like on him. Like it, I was very uncomfortable about that. Then that's her just being weird. Um, but yes, anyway, and then she tries to like get it, get it on. And he's like, not uh, it, yeah. no, like it's very weird. And yeah, again, of everything you said flags 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 and uh he tries to exit so politely i think and then she goes crazy ex-girlfriend uh yeah mm-hmm. so yeah in the barn you know is when she, she he's like I, actually i think i've got to go she's like what i do you're like, you're, you're yeah. not gonna take me to europe are you i think she says something here too like i feel things pretty deeply and it's like yeah that's one way to put it i think <laughs> in a, a different kind of way but Again, uh, we we see the transition from pitchfork in the goose to pitchfork in a real person. Um, and this is her first like intentional murder versus mm-hmm. her. I mean, her mother again is not dead yet, but also that was kind of an accident. But as he tries to drive away, yeah, stabbing him in the chest with that pitchfork. And this is again an instance in which, as that car was rolling away, I was like, oh, this is the car that we ultimately see in the swamp in X. I think. Ooh. Um, as well so we kind of start to, those pieces start to come together a little bit um yeah and so the so projectionist dies right um yep. and and that's kind of the end of his story you know and then she gets uh, her red dress on well she, after she kicks her mother down the down the stairs of the basement oh, right. for like no good reason um <laughs> and she does she does clean her father up and yeah gets the dress on in order to then suffocate him with the pillowcase right before she heads off to her audition yep um the big scene, the audition. Let's talk about this for a second. Uh, takes place at the church house. There's the line of chairs outside. The girl comes out crying. Um, Pearl gets there to see Mitzi, and uh, Mitzi expresses being anxious about this, and is like, doesn't seem to you know to understand why Pearl's not anxious. Now I'm trying to fully, if we're trying to fully follow the series of events here. Uh, is Mitzi genuinely anxious? She switches places with Pearl, and then we end up finding like Mitzi goes in after Pearl, and that's when she gets the part because they just said they wanted a blonde girl. Uh, I, yes and yes. I think um, it's it's meant to do that, and it's also meant to leave it ambiguous on like how Mitzi's audition went. Because if she had gone first, we would have known how she did if she got it or not. And then we don't have that like really tense, suspenseful scene later. And the third thing, I I think it also helps like show or convey that Mitzi actually is a really nice person. I think she really is trying to connect and she's kind and wants to be Pearl's friend and Pearl just doesn't have friends. Right. And we learned the addition to that, you know, I think Mitzi conveys that they're only taking one, one girl. They already have the whole rest of the troop. So this is, it's very high stakes. Um, Pearl does end up switching spots with Misty because she's or Mitzi because she's she's ready to go. Uh, and then yeah, the audition hall scene, you know. Um, the hall is is very dark. There's like it's in the church house, so there's like crosses in the very back. Question on uh, that. 
So you're not you didn't you weren't raised in the church, right? Uh, I went to church of, off and on a little bit growing yeah. up, but not not consistently. Something I that stood out to me is it was very weird to me that there were two crosses in the back. Generally in Christianity, there's one cross or there's three crosses, which the two people that were crucified with Jesus. Um, but there was two, and I found that very interesting. So if anyone knows what that's about, please let me know. Well, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. Um, anyway, but we don't but, have to go to it. It was just well, that, that stood out to me as someone who grew up in that. Church. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like uh, to right when we see those crosses, though, we also see Pearl step on the X, which again comes back to X factor. And also, if you think of a cross at an angle plus the X, 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 X. So well, there is kind of three crosses. Ah, so yeah. I don't know. I, I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, she starts our audition and then all of a sudden we get this the dance begins on. it's it's it feels it feels corny as hell um, yeah it, yeah it's like da, 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 da. It's, which it kind of was back then but she she she's she's great but she's not like amazing you know uh, no it's um it's it's funny that obviously we see her alone and then we see it like transition in her mind all the backup dancers and like the kind of brutal warfield background um but also at the same time we can kind of envision the judges continuing to just see her like kind of I don't know. Cheesy, corny, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, she's uh, totally fine, but very I agree. Long limbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, she she she's puts talented. everything she can into it, right? She's like, even she's like, that's the best I ever danced. And of course, they immediately dismiss her with a no. Um, there's not even like a hint of consideration. I think the judge says that they're looking for someone a little bit more all-American, someone blonde, someone with... Oh, the brutal stab, the X factor. And that's something, of course, Pearl thought that she had. Which, um, was that even a phrase back then? I don't know. That seems like more of a newer I think it is a idiom. newer phrase. I don't, I don't know. That <laughs> anyway, I don't, I'm not going to get picky on it. But obviously, <laughs> it's something that's carrying us through, right? And also, of course, that's the moment at which Pearl envisions her mother being in the judging panel saying the same thing, right? Because yeah. her, her mother basically said to her something along the lines of like, you're not special before, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a reality binding a little bit right here. Um, it, crushing to Pearl. You know, she has to be, basically kind of be dragged away off the stage after like begging and begging to give a new audition. Uh, is bawling outside the, the schoolhouse. And that's when Mitzi, of course, after her audition, feels, feels sympathy and uh, takes her home. That's when Mitzi back at the house seems to have a similar experience to the projectionist where she sees... This is the, off. The pig. Um and like knows knows some things are going wrong when she sees the meal at the table um, but pearl at this point is not even trying to put on any kind of show she's she's obviously just broken um i think she says something like my mother is right i'm never getting off this farm uh and of course we know that she's right too because we see the future right in 60 some years um pearl also seems to be for the first time like have self-awareness there's something wrong with her uh, and she expresses this to mitzi in that incredible monologue too uh, in a way that we we hadn't had before. Um, this is kind of a weird, interesting dynamic where Mitzi encourages Pearl to role share. Play. Yeah, role play. Pretend that she's Howard, share her feelings. And boy, does Pearl lean into that in a way Mitzi did not expect. Yeah. Um, I Even if Pearl turned out not to be Pearl, like this murderous person, she just a regular person hearing all this information and someone dumping it all out on you, especially because Howard's her brother. I, it would incredibly overwhelming incredibly so much overwhelming. like mm -hmm. but pearl's finally just like letting it all out 
Yeah, and it's it, it confesses to having slept with somebody, confesses to murder, um, confesses to having you know in so many ways like m- more than anything, seeing Howard as a way out than even that much particularly loving him. You know, how she resents um, him for going to war and how he was. Yeah, he's supposed to do this and the pregnancy, and the pregnancy. And it was kind of like happy that the you know not happy but like pleased that the baby passed away or the the unborn child passed away, um, you know and. She begins talking about how how good it feels to kill, and like obviously Mitzi's like oh, what totally uncomfortable, very well yeah. played. Um, but this is where I wrote too. Like this is largely a story about loneliness. When you think think about, you know, the, all the talk about Howard and being stuck, obviously being stuck at the farm, but also about like not wanting to have the burden of something that's going to keep you in a place. And in many ways, you know, you have to imagine that in her mind, the baby she was pre- or the the child she was pregnant with was you know similar to her mother's burden of having to take care of you know her infirm father right yeah yeah this whole everything that she's dealing with so so her her ticket out of texas or or not even texas her her ticket out off the farm is so dependent on other people and getting them to help her do that because of the times for sure um but also her blind like non-self-awareness or realization that 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 there's you have like her mom tried to get her to understand you have to have other plans besides the one that you think you're destined for um which will be interesting broke yeah exactly she broke and that was it and now that she can't have that one thing instead of like well maybe it'll be another audition or when howard gets home we could try this she has decided had decided that that was it Mm -hmm. um she anyway. had, and that's also when we when we learn uh, as Mitzi tries to very awkwardly uh, and clearly uncomfortable as she tries to leave. Mm, that, I gotta go, bye. Pearl, Pearl picked up on the fact that indeed Mitzi fit that profile she, of the blonde all American girl. You know, she manipulated she, her. She well. knew that. Mm-hmm. She knew that all along. Um, real quick though, uh, in this whole scene, this this whole Mia Goth phenomenal actress scene. Um, it was about two minutes into it, and I realized they have not broken the camera. Like it has been, like it was like five minutes of just like the camera Morning. just on her and no cuts because they were initially were cutting back and forth, and it was just on her. So incredibly, kudos. It, it stuck on her for a long time. I was wondering that too because I was like, did Mitzi leave? Is that why we haven't yeah. seen her? But to your point, I think it was like absorbing the intensity of it, right? By yeah, keeping the camera yeah. On her. I would put it up there with um, in Hereditary with. Um, uh, Tony Collette scene at the dinner table too, where she's grieving and yelling at her son. Or, or it was just, I mean, th- it's so unfortunate that horror actors and actresses are not recognized in award shows. Awards like yeah, should be, Mia Goth should be nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so totally agree. Mm-hmm. Mitzi's like, gotta go, Powerful. bye. <laughs> and we we kind of see this is the scene from like the, I guess like the the promo screen right for this particular film. Uh, Pearl ditches her her kind of go to pitchfork for an axe, chases her down the path, and with the dolly shot with like Mitzi in the foreground and pulling back. Yeah, chasing back. Oh, it was it, the the filming was fantastic. Uh, all the, the, the multiple stabbing. I mean, there's like um chasing with the axe again, and kind of revisiting the shining like we did in X. Um, we follow. I mean, yeah, poor Mitzi getting shot up, and then we follow that up with kind of another a psycho feeling homage as. Pearl returns to the basement where her mother is now dead and she curls up in her dead mother's arms. Um, I think we also see her at, soon after that combing her mother's hair, mm. uh, you know, 
yep. and getting chunks falling out up, up at the table for that make it feel dinner with with her. Uh, also, her throwing chunks of Mitzi out to Theta, our, our friend. The game. You know, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, of course, comes the final scene: a military vehicle pulling up. Howard excited, getting out of the car at a farm that's called Powder Keg Farms. You know, it's uh and boy, did that powder keg explode, right? Sure he did. walks into the house calling for Pearl and imagine that being off at war, you know, really a terrible, horrible war in the trenches, you know, getting home finally to the wife you've been longing for and writing these letters for walking into that house and coming across this just meal for corpses where everything's covered in mold. Um, yeah. It's like, yeah, I seen it's like something out of, uh, you know, uh, great expectations, right? Miss Havisham where it's just like the scene set at the table, but it's all Good like reference. aged, right? Um, and that's when uh you know pearl walks up and says howard is that you and she just gives him this big old fake smile that like holds throughout the credit sequence as she holds it so tight she starts to cry unbelievable is the end so good like the full credit like it is just still on her i was reading that they came up with that at the end like toward the end um as what would happen and god damn mia goth is so good she is very talented and that is just you see the happiness and then you see the breaking and the madness and and then then you remind yourself when if you've already seen x what what their future holds for them and holy cow just just i mean it was intense um in a very different way um after i watched it i I had sarah watch it with me um um it reminded us of uh um the end of call me by your name uh oh, with yeah, yeah. timothy chalamet like in the fireplace and the credits are just playing and he's just staring in like longing for his love who would, he just found out is you know marrying somebody else and he's just like tearing up in the frame for the whole like it's and, intense for an actor you can just imagine the director being like hold it hold yeah. it hold it and, like, and then you just smile oh it was it was just a brilliant choice for them to do that so again kudos so the thing we miss here that I'm very curious about is like, what would, what would, what was that conversation like? Cause obviously, I mean, Howard's got to find out that yeah. Pearl, <laughs> Pearl killed his sister. Like obviously everything, all this stuff happened, but he's still, you know, we learn in acts that they still very much love each other and had this like very long and devoted marriage to each other. Although we also do know that Howard also, what I think Howard was in world war two also in, in X. Um, I don't know. Oh, there's like a Vietnam. whole gap. Oh, in, really? Oh no, 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 no sorry. Um, it have to be World War Two. World War Two, and the uh, um the porn actor um Kid Cudi, he was in. Yeah, uh, he was. He was, he was in, in Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they like. Yeah, because they were. Right. But um, yeah, there's like Howard's stories. It could almost be its own separate film unto itself, and like that the dynamic of the relationship in that sixty year gap is kind of fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I guess we just make some logical leaps there, but um, yeah, wow, uh, you ah. know, <laughs> leaves you leaves you thinking of a lot. Um. What do you think? Should we should we measure this in pitchforks? Oh yeah, let's do that. I like that. Um, my my final notes would be: uh, I thought this movie was great. The parallels to X were fantastic. Uh, Pearl and Maxine, we already knew had similar trajectories in in what their dreams are. So I'm very excited to see how Maxine, which will be the third one, wraps or maybe it doesn't wrap it up, but like what, what Maxine's uh, end game ends yeah, up. Maybe being. it'll fill in some of these gaps potentially. Yeah, who, I would, who knows exactly. Oh, that'd be so cool if we get some Pearl flashbacks too. I do know that I think Maxine's supposed to take place in 1985, I believe. Um, so we're moving forward, what, six years, basically? Yeah. 
um the, for six years from max right for max yeah um the um homages to the the beautiful colors uh technicolor films and old school hollywood was fantastic um i love that the tone was different than x um it was a different it was a different film so it's not like you're gonna go see like texas chainsaw massacre too you're you're seeing yeah. a different film with a similar character but it fits the vibe of who that person was then and that's just such a smart choice um yeah Ty West, great job. Mia Goth, great. Um, I, special shout out again to the mom. Uh, I think she was a great yeah. actress as well. Fantastic. Very small cast for this one, mm-hmm. um, but it, it just worked really well. I loved it. I would give this um, four and a half uh, pitchforks. Ooh, do you remember what you gave X? We should have revisited. Four point seven five. You, but you and I both gave it four point four point seven five. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, I think that for me, I definitely thought. I think it's inevitable that you're going to be comparing this movie to X and obviously they are very different, but like in terms of just like the quality um, X is, as we said, we really liked that. I also really liked this film. It's a more, to me, it felt like more of a slow burn than, um, than X did. It wasn't as uh, horror. It wasn't as horror. You build to it. It's more of a human story about Pearl Um, and her motivations. Obviously, you know, again, I think Mia Goth does an incredible job. I think that the, um, what, what we said her name uh tan tan right um, tandy tandy right yeah was incredible as the mother again uh the actress who played mitzi i thought was really she terrific. was perfect i mean it's a small cast in this movie but they were all like kind of per- pitch perfectly cast i will say yeah agree. um even e- even down to the judge at the dance audition yeah um, i thought was terrific uh for the time like they're all these like very kind of like you know stick up their ass kind of group at the church um and I mean, certainly the trajectory of Pearl is like, I don't know, you know, I, you, you, she, me and got this such an incredible job of just evoking that sense of loneliness um, in those scenes. I think for me, again, I kind of come back to like the biggest gap is like, where kind of the sex fiend that we see in X comes from. Cause that, that doesn't seem like a, I mean, Pearl seems like a real genuine, like deep seated, loneliness that like breaks breaks her mentally to doing all these horrible things so that kind of seems like a factor that was like what's the origin story of that i don't know that it that part was clear to me uh but uh, overall i mean very well acted um the yeah some of these final scenes that at the dinner table with all the mold and everything and how we're walking in was like i'm glad they did end it there i'm glad we didn't end up seeing the the even though i'm like curious i'm glad that it's left for our imagination the interaction between howard and pearl because yeah um, that was just like yeah going from that oh, to her forcing that smile so was just insane so you know it was, yeah. it was incredible yeah um so I, I thought it was fantastic you know i i did not catch as many of kind of those classic horror references as some of the others there's might be some we just missed you know but i it, there, I was almost more looking for the seeds that ended up showing up in pearl i think there was a couple other things there's at one point the mother looks out uh her mother looks out the window in the same way that she looks out the window for at maxine oh yeah um yes. i don't know if the corn uh, i don't know if the the I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if the scarecrow scene was more supposed to be like reminiscent of Wizard of Oz, like we talked about, or if it's more Children of the Corn type thing. Um, <laughs> maybe a little both, but um, I thought it was terrific. But I just think for me, it's probably a four because I think it just is not quite at X, but I think it's four pitch force, which makes which is good. Eight and a half out of right. those. So can't wait till Maxine comes out. I feel like even if AHS is back, we're going to have to do a very special episode to round out the trio, you know? Yes, absolutely. Um, I agree. We should definitely yeah. do that. 
well, this was fun. Thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, if this strike again continues, I'm sure Chris and I will find another independent movie that we will zoom in on. But um, for the time being, we really appreciate it and hope everyone has a terrific Thanksgiving. Uh, Chris, Halloween. Or what did I say? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. My brain is oh, melting. Uh, has a terrific Halloween. Um, Chris, anything else uh, where people can find you or not find you? Uh, this American Horror Story at gmail.com. I didn't call out this time around. Or Facebook.com slash This American Horror Story. Those places. Um, that being said, thanks a lot, everybody. And uh, happy hauntings. <laughs>